And we're going to continue on in our, our series called Happy as we journey through the book of Philippians. One of my favorite chapters, these actually chapter 3 and chapter 4, some of my favorite uh, chapters in, in all of Scripture. But he says, though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. So remember, he had just said, I put no confidence in the human flesh and human effort. Everything we do relies on Jesus. But he says, I could. I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. And so he's going to present his resume. He says, indeed, if others have reason to have confidence in their efforts, I have even more. And we love to play that game, right? I have more. I have more. He said, you know, we can be competitive on our resume. And so he says he, he's the ultimate Jew, and he goes through this list. Doesn't necessarily make sense to us today, but basically he's saying, I'm the Jew of Jews, the ultimate here. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Okay, I'm not a muggle, all right? I, uh, uh, I am a member of the tribe of Benjamin, all right? Saul, the first king, was from, from Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. I was the teacher, like the, the religious leaders who demand strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous. I had so much passion. And I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, Everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I can gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's ways of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to see God work in my life. I want to, I want to see his presence. I want to see his power work through me. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now that's a kind of a weird statement. But you and I know sometimes when we feel the power and presence of God in our lives come through adversity, through the hardest moments, through the challenges. And so he, he's, I wouldn't want adversity, but at the same time, you and I kind of know it's like, hey, that's where I see God more clearly. When I'm on my knees praying, saying, I need you, not in my comfort, but in my discomfort. So we ask the question, how competitive are you? And Paul says, if you want to do the religious competitive thing, I got you all beat. All right. And we've been talking about happiness in this in this uh, series. The word joy just shows up over and over and over again in this small little chapter in Philippians. And remember, Paul is not in a place of joy. His circumstances are not great. Where is he? He is in prison. He said, I am in chains for Christ. So he's talking about all these great, grand, wonderful things, and yet he has no freedom. He has no rights. He has no privacy. Everything's gone. The things he was shooting for seemingly from the outside look like they are escaping. And yet he talks about joy. And so we've said, hey, you can be happy. You can have joy, not how the world defines it based on circumstances, not how the world defines it based on your success or numbers, 
But he says you can have joy on any situation and it's going to be founded in Jesus. And there's habits, habits, choices that you and I can make that's going to help us get there. Happiness is, is uh, something that you create. It is a choice. And so some of these habits, some of these choices that we talked about are just being grateful. Happy people are grateful people. They give thanks in any circumstance. They have vision. He said, I am in chains. That stinks for Christ. Now it has purpose. They have bigger vision than what the circumstances are that he's facing. He, he talked about happy people have the right priorities. Happy people are humble people. He talked about Christ being a, a humble servant in chapter 2. And so today we're going to keep, keep talking about this. How do you know if you're winning? Like we're getting to the end of 2022 in this season. You get to the end of 2022. How do you know if you're winning? How do you know if you're successful? In the, in the world's eyes, what is winning? What is, what is success? And a lot of people can define that a lot of different ways. I got more followers this year than last year. My, my, I got, um, uh, my relationship with my spouse got better. My, my kids got better in their sports programs. What, what is it that's better? I got a promotion in my job. 2022 was great and successful. I got a, a higher salary or, or maybe more square footage. Um, maybe it's an awesome vacation. For a lot of us, for a, and a lot in the world, success in winning looks a lot like increasing. Something got more. And, and he says, hey, if you want to do the more game, spiritually speaking, I got more. Paul says, winning, winning, except he was using the wrong scorecard. He found out I'm using the wrong scorecard. All of that, he said, was worthless, worthless. So Paul, he had his scorecard. I thought today um, I would bring out my resume and show you guys my, my spiritual scorecard here as well. So I have uh, presented to you, I have... Uh, my, my spiritual resume, my, my scorecard, per se, to see how am I doing. And so, um, first thing on my resume, I had Christian parents growing up, all right? My, my, uh, my parents, solid Christians, and um, let's see. Oh, one of my crowning achievements. I went to cemetery. I mean, <laughs> seminary. <laughs> I went to seminary. Um, Oh, I went to Sunday school growing up, all right? Uh, I even know who Salty is. Who knows Salty? Who knows who Salty is? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, I serve. I, I've, as a volunteer, I've served, and I, I serve in the church in a variety of different ways. Oh, uh, I'm not a Cowboys fan, okay? We'll add that to the list. <laughs> um, I pray. All right, I pray. Ooh, I'm a pastor of a church. Even started a church. That's a pretty good thing to have on my spiritual resume. Um, I once saved a cat. That's debatable. I don't know. I'm not a cat fan, so we don't know if that's a, a positive or a negative. I listened to Caleb on the radio. <laughs> you guys are like, what? Um, I read my Bible, uh, King James Version only. Some of you guys are getting my, sar my sarcasm. I don't read the King James Version only, but you know where I'm headed with some of these things. 
Um, I've been on mission trips, several mission trips, uh, domestic, and I've been on international mission trips as well. Um, I don't cuss. <laughs> you guys, you guys, you're like, what? Is he lying? He's a liar. Oh, and I was a church member at a church before, too. I could go on and on with my, my spiritual uh, resume. And um, it's the same thing as what Paul says. He says, this is garbage. Compared to what? What is the goal of life? What is, what is winning? You may not think about, oh, well, what's the goal of life? It's not something that we think about every day. But what you believe about the goal of life impacts your everyday life. And so many of us spiritually can chase these things, or we're not even on the spiritual realm. We're just like, hey, I'm going to chase success. I'm going to chase fame. I'm going to chase my pleasure, comfort, these different things. None of these things are bad, by the way. In fact, many of these things can help you get to know Jesus, but they are not the thing that earns you a relationship with God. He says this is garbage. In fact, the Greek word that he uses there for garbage is, um, I did my Greek this week, so I'm, again, I've got another little thing on my resume. It's uh, skubalon, skubalon. Now, turn to your neighbor and just say, skubalon, so you can do your Greek too. All right, good, 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 good. I just had you guys all cuss in church. All right? <laughs> yeah, I don't cuss. You just did it in church. This word, if I were to say it, some of you guys would want to fire me. Some of you guys, please say it. Um, it is, it is um, an S-bomb in the Bible. It, it is, skubulon is dung. And, and so he just flat out says, bull skubulon on all the stuff. Because it's worthless. It, and he uses such graphic language. The, the, the English translators are like super friendly. They say, it, I count it all worthless. I count it all garbage. The King James ver Version actually says dung, which was one of the closest ones I could get to the actual translation. But it, it is, it's just feces is what he says. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Now, why do we like this game? Why do we, why do we, it's called legalism. And why do we like to play this game? Because it feels like you and I contribute in some way, shape, or form. It feels like we have some sense of control. There's no way God can love me just as I am. I must do something in order to him to like me, because I don't even like me. I'm not sure if this person even likes me. My parents didn't like me. So why on earth would God want anything to do with me? So therefore, we think, I got to do something. This is not the gospel. But it comes natural to us. Now, let me just pick on every other religion besides Christianity, all right? And if you're here following another faith, I'm glad you're here. But when you do a deep dive into other religions, it comes down to you have to do something. In order to achieve whatever the highest goal is in Buddhism, 
to be enlightened, you have to do something to get there. It's not just given to you. Islam, same thing. You have to do something to appease and make Allah happy. This idea, this concept of grace is found nowhere else than right here in Christianity. And this is what Jesus offers. And this is what Paul's talking about. Happiness hint, happiness hint. Happy people live by grace. Happy people live by grace. You can't earn it. Now, Mormonism, and I know we have people here who have come from Mormonism, and you have Mormon friends, or you have Mormon backgrounds. I'm not trying to bash on them, but we use a lot of the same terms. We use a lot of the same terms, grace, Jesus, salvation. But when you do a deep dive, they're not talking about the same thing that we are. And when you would do a deep dive, even with Mormonism, in order to make it to heaven, the ultimate goal, you have to end up doing things. There are certain things on the list that you must do. That's not Christianity. Remember, remember, he said, beware. Beware of those who would say you have to be circumcised in order to be made right with God. That's not what we're preaching. There are some strains. I got Catholic friends that I believe are safe, so I'm not going to dog on the Catholics, but there are some strains of Catholicism that would say you have to do things in order to earn God's grace. That's not in the Bible either. But let me just dig on everyone else, even non-denominational churches, Baptist churches, wherever. You can find certain strains where people would say, hey, in order to be more spiritual, in order to be saved, you got to get baptized. You got to read from the King James Version Bible. You got to do these things in order to be better. No. You are a human being, not a human doing. That's religion. And that's why most of us walked away from church. We saw this idea of like, I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to rules and I got to this and I got to that. And we're like, ah, eh, I don't want that. Jesus gives one rule, one command. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Can we just do that? Can we love people? Can we love people? Can we love people? Legalism. We like it because we give some, it feels like we give some sort of control or that we contribute to things. You want to bring legalism out in the church? And I could even bring legalism out in, in Freedom Church where we find it in our own lives. You want to know how you, you bring legalism out in people in the church? You make changes. You just make changes in the church. And be like, you can't do that. You can't do that. I was told once you can't preach out of the NLT Bible. I was like, what? Why? I don't understand. Uh, and uh, you get little things like that. We're just like, I, I, there's a lot of freedom, a lot of grace. Happy people will live by grace. This is where you, you can't wear certain clothes to church, worship battles that go on and different things like that, where we say, you got to do it this way. I, I dare you to find a happy legalistic person. You will not. They are not happy. They are too busy judging and criticizing other people. But if you want to find the legalistic person within yourself, because we can easily see it in other people, where are you critical of others? Where are you judgmental of others? 
where are you not showing grace towards others? That might be a hint of where you have that little twinge of legalism. Paul says it like this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, for it is by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. This is salvation. This is, this is one of those verses that you highlight, underline, circle, put it on the mirror. I didn't do anything to earn my salvation it is by grace. And he's kind of saying that whole thing in Philippians. Scubula. Grace. That's what got you in through faith. Now, the, when it, I, I love teaching this in, in the Bible because we, we kind of live by this question, like, how good is good enough for God? All right, when we try to earn it and, and, and how you know, I want God to like me. Well, how, how good do I have to be? Because if I just did some bad things or I thought some bad things or I said some bad things, um, you know, God's obviously not very happy with me. He's going to strike me down. Um, and so I got to do something. Um, and if I were to go into our, our just even in our town and say, what do you got to do to make it into heaven? And just kind of asked the public, openly, a lot of them would, probably the majority, the thing that would kind of rise to the top would be, be a good person. Like, I'm not Hitler, right? I'm not Hitler. I'm not Putin. I'm not some monster. Just be a good person. Even in the church world as a pastor, I don't think I've ever done a funeral where anybody went to hell. All right? It's just kind of the, the, the norm and the way things go. They're a good person. But that is, how good is good enough? How good do you have to be? In fact, if that's how you get into heaven, what's your current scorecard right now? Do you know? Good enough God, we say this often, good enough God sucks. Because I don't know my current scorecard. I don't know, it's not like God's like, oh yeah, you got a 93 today. I, I don't know where I'm at with that God. And by the way, what, what percentage of good enough gets me in? Is it 10% good enough? You know, I did 10% good things and then I make it in? Or is it 90%? Like, what? A, we don't know. And so Jesus just comes on the scene. How good is good enough? Let me just give you the bad news right now. It's impossible. How good is good enough? You're never, never good enough. You're never going to make it with God. You will never be good enough with God. In fact, even on your best day, Scubulon, your best day on this planet, when you were the most righteous, you did the most for God and everything. In Isaiah 63, it says this, it says, we display our righteous deeds. They are nothing but filthy rags. Dirty menstrual cycles is actually where it goes with that one. God's getting graphic. You're never going to earn it with God. But while that sounds like bad news, like, oh my gosh, God, I'm never good enough for God. No, he's just saying, would you please be free from trying to earn it with me? Like, stop working to earn it. I just want to give it to you as a gift. 
you, it's so freeing to know you don't have to earn it with God. This is grace. The good news, we don't rely on human flesh. We put no confidence in human effort. We rely on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's the good news, and that's the hope that we have. That's the foundation of our hope. Grace, living by grace, will allow you to have joy in your life, to, to, to run the race with joy, to live with joy. I don't have to run my race trying to get to God. Because of His grace, He's already come to me. I just get to receive it. I just get to live in that and walk forward. That is the beauty of Christianity compared to all other religions. No one else is offering that. It is just a gift that is given to you. You receive it. But why don't we live like this? Because some of us, if I were to say, hey, I want you to come and share your story. Hey, I want you Next week, we're going to have a prayer service. Would you mind just praying over people? Like they would come to you and you pray over them. Hey, next semester when we have connect groups, could you lead a connect group for a group of people? Hey, we're going to have a baptism later and you've never been baptized. You want to get baptized and, and say, hey, I'm going to give my life to Christ. And you want to know what the common kind of response is? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. Like, if I'm going to lead a group, like, I got to get some things right in my life. If I'm going to get baptized, like, I, like I'm in for Jesus, but I, I got to, I'm not quite living the way I'm supposed to, and I got to do some things. And you want me to pray over people? Are you sure you got the right guy? Because I surely am not the one to be praying for me. And we line up excuses and excuses and excuses as to why we can't. And I would say, Paul would say the same thing to your excuses. Scubulon, you are living by works, not by grace. Yeah, I can think about it in the terms of salvation. Oh, I didn't have to earn my salvation. But you are still living works-based. I can't do it because I've done. No, it's not because of anything you've done. If God has called you, he's called you by grace. The fact is your can't might be the exact reason why he's calling you to do it. I can't because of this. And he's saying, I know it. That's why I'm calling you because you shouldn't be able to do it. And there you are. Look at you. You're doing it by faith. You're living by grace. And you are chained to your works. It's not just about salvation. It's how you and I live our daily lives and the choice. Paul says this. He says, I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He got me first. No, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not perfect. I haven't achieved it. But I focus, say this with me, I focus on one thing, one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He, he, he alludes to a race. And he says, I'm not going to look behind me. 
which is where many of us are right now. We are stuck. We are stuck about someone who has disappointed us, some discouraging circumstance. We are, we are stuck. Oh, if we could just go back to 2019 before the pandemic, if we could just get back to where we were, we're looking at some sort of past mistake or some hurt, and we are stuck fixated on our past. And he says, I focus on one thing, forgetting my past. Now, I'm, I'm not going to belittle the hurt and the pain and discouragement. He's not saying have spiritual amnesia. It's kind of more like looking in a rearview mirror. I'm going to glance in my rearview mirror, but I'm not going to drive down the road staring into my rearview mirror because that's going to hurt me and everyone around me. Anyone that is traveling along with me in my car, if I'm just staring at the rearview mirror the whole time instead of looking at what's ahead of me, that's going to be a bad crash. And he's saying, no, I'm not going to stay looking stuck in the past. And for these Jews that he's writing to, what was on the, on the plate for them? Why would they want to go back to the past? Because it would have been easier. Don't, don't. Listen to those dogs who are saying you got to be circumcised in order to be a Christian. Who are saying, hey, you got to go live like a Jew. If you want to be a Christian, follow the Jewish laws. And he's saying, don't go back there. I know it would be easier because as a Christian, you're now on the chopping block. Rome, the Jewish leaders are coming after you. You are in prison. Some of them, you are martyrs. Because of your faith, it would be easier just to fall in line with the Jewish customs. So now all that hate stops coming your way. Now your family members who had turned away from you, you could get them back. Just do the Jewish stuff, right? Follow Jesus, but do the Jewish things. And he's saying, don't go back. It might be easier for you to go back, but don't go back. That's not what Christ saved you from. That's not what he's calling you to do. The other thing he says I move forward. I press on. He gives the image of a runner at the end of a race. When they're doing the sprint, they're crossing the finish line. And what are they doing? They're straining ahead. They're straining. They're not looking behind and they're looking forward and they're straining ahead. Some of you, you are stuck. Not because you're looking behind, because we're, we're coasting. We're, we're not straining. We're comfortable. There's a certain point where you got to exert some effort. You know how to pray. But you, you need some time just in your prayer closet, just you and God and seeking God. You go days on end without thinking about God, without talking to God, without getting into the Word. Just thinking, well, God, just help me. And he's saying, let's talk. Let's have a relationship. That's not about doing. God doesn't want you to do these things to earn them. He wants to have a, a relationship with you. But it's going to take some work and it's going to take some effort. I'm going to strain forward and move forward. He might be calling you into something new in this season to take a step of faith. And yet you're still here coasting. Here's what I know about coasting. If I'm coasting, I'm going downhill. If I'm coasting, I'm going downhill. And he's saying, I'm going to press on the gas. And it might be a hard climb up, but we are moving forward by faith. We got to move forward, church. There's more people to be saved. There's more people to be healed. 
in this season. Get a word from God. One word can change everything. One word can change the entire trajectory for your life and your family. Get a word from God in this season. Strain forward. Seek. Ask and you will find. Find out what the gift is. Why do we do that? Because I don't want the world's chains on me. I'm going to live a generous life and try to give things away that God tells me to give. So I'm not holding on to everything, fighting for what's mine. Last time I checked, last time I checked, God died for me, not the other way around. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this circumstance to happen to me. I didn't ask for them to hurt me. I didn't ask for these things. And God gave his life for me so that I could follow him. Not that he could do everything on my Christmas list and on my wish list. He says, you want to be my follower? You want to be my follower? You lose your life. Winning looks like losing. You give up your life and you follow him. There's more to be done through him that he wants to do in this season. Some of us are stuck looking in the past. Some of us are coasting. God's calling us to do something, and we need to take that step forward and strain forward and exert a little more effort into our faith journey. You choose your prison. You choose your prison. Some of us are in the in a prison right now, stuck on the pain that we've been in, stuck in the bitterness and unforgiveness. We're in a prison of anger, a prison of heartbreak. Somebody has hurt us, a prison of doubt, a prison of frustration, and those things are real. But Paul, and I'm declaring to you today, and as many of you, my prison, I am chained to hope. You have, a, you have something greater that you are chained to. Jesus says, anyone that I, has given their life to me, they are in my grip. They are in my hand, and I am never letting go of them. I have a hope. I have a Savior that is greater than any of those things that want to keep me stuck. And Paul is saying here, let's move forward. What's the ultimate goal in life? It, the whole goal in life is is to know God. It's all about God. It's always been about God. And Jesus was God in the flesh. It all goes back to you, 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 you were not an accident. God created you. He knew everything about you. He put you in this time, in Los Alamos, in this place, in this season, not by accident. And he wants a relationship with you. And he also has a purpose for you. And he wants you to step forward into that purpose. Freedom Church, that's, where, that's what this message is about. You knowing and having a relationship with Jesus, but we collectively as a church not growing stagnant and comfortable. That there is more to be done. That we will not be a church that goes into maintenance mode. I'm not thinking that we will, but every now and then you just got to bring that up. Said, I've been a part of maintenance mode church. 
and I'm not going to ever go back there again. We keep taking steps of faith forward. Paul says there is many whose conduct shows they're real enemies of the cross of Christ, and they're headed for their own destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they only think about life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He's like, hey, listen, listen, listen. You can go and live by rules and try to do all the things. Scoobulon. You can go on the complete opposite. Okay, God saves me by his grace. I'll go live however I want. Their God is their appetite. They just do whatever they want. God loves me. He's going to forgive me. And he's like, if you're just going to live that way and cheapen God's grace, you don't even know who God is. But you, you, we, you're citizens of heaven. Kingdoms of this earth, I'm here, but it's not my home. I got an eternal home, and I'm going to fix my eyes there, and I'm going to live towards that. Let's pray together. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.